Hello, and welcome to Six Figure Authors, the show that helps you take your writing career to the next level. I'm Lindsay Baroker, and I'm here with my two co-hosts. I'm Joe Lalo. And I'm Andrea Pearson. We've talked about productivity a bit before on the show, but it seems to be something that we all struggle with, so we're going to be sharing some of our top tips here today, uh, in part because I don't think any of us has actually had a productive month. We've all had some life stuff going on here in September as we record this, so this is a little bit for you guys and maybe a little reminder for ourselves. Before we jump into that, do you guys have any news that you would like to share? Sure. Um, so yeah, the time since our last recording has been almost completely filled with family health issues, which I won't go into here. Uh, if you follow me on social media, you know what it was. Uh, that started to cool down, and it's time to start digging myself out of the heap of displaced work and lost momentum. Um, and the clutter behind me is going to, already famous on our show, is going to get much, much worse for the next couple episodes before it starts getting better because I'm going to be sorting through a tremendous amount of stuff. Uh, I'm the only person who has the leeway to do so. So that's what my past and future looks like right now. And I'm joining Joe in the clutter. We're in the middle of rearranging the office. And so for those on the YouTube, I'm hiding the mess with my body. (laughs) So um, I, anyway, so I've been sick this week. My brain's completely like shot. So I haven't been productive. (laughs) This, this episode is going to be really good for me. All right. And for news for myself, um, I want to apologize in advance here you're going to notice some lag. I have just moved out after several years in the works of a buying land and building a house kind of in the country outside of town here. And it's, it's awesome, but I'm now on satellite internet and it's kind of as awful as I, I was afraid it would be as far as having live chats because there's a lag. And I'm being told right now my internet connection is unstable. So hopefully in a couple of weeks, I will be able to find something it's going to work better. I'm going to get some cell phone booster stuff and maybe recording via Verizon instead of the satellite. So apologies again for the next couple of shows. It's going to be super laggy whenever it's my turn to talk and I'm going to try to not talk over people. (laughs) But um, anyway, as far as writing news goes, I released my final Star Kingdom novel, uh, book eight in the series, just this two days ago as we record this. And the fans are saying they really liked it, that they, they wrapped up the series successfully. So I feel really good about that. I, I do feel as I was writing it that um, that it went came together well. You don't always have that feeling. Sometimes you're kind of forcing things. and uh, yeah, But yeah, I think this one did pretty good. And so, but I am now to the point where I don't have anything else in the hopper. Uh, I've kind of enjoyed this year being a little ahead of schedule most of the year, strangely enough, despite it being a really weird year. But this month has also been crazy for me between uh, moving out to this new place and selling, listing the old house and getting it ready to sell. Anybody who's moved, you know how fun that is. Uh, and also, we had the uh, lovely forest fires in Oregon that were quite distracting for about a week. At least the smoke cleared up in Bend for a while. We were like over 500 on air quality. And it was kind of like you walked out to your mailbox and you might get lost on the way back into the house if you didn't leave breadcrumbs because it was just such a dense it looked like fog but was not fog but um like andrea and joe i also am hoping to kind of get productive again coming up here in october so i guess i think that's we didn't have too much news there so we will jump into some of our productivity tips that have 
worked for us over our we're all about 10 year careers many novels written so the first thing that I we wanted to jump into is kind of talking about the 80-20 rule and how it can apply to authors. I'm going to go ahead and read some of the snippets from Wikipedia because I know you guys all love it when I read stuff. I'm an excellent read alouder. But so the 80-20 rule or the Pareto principle states that for many events, roughly 80% of the effects come from 20% of the causes. Uh, examples in computer science, the Pareto principle can be applied to optimization efforts. For example, Microsoft noted that by fixing the top 20% of the most reported bugs, 80% of the related errors and crashes in a given system would be eliminated, which is exactly what I would expect from Microsoft, my, uh, given my experience with their operating systems in the past. Um, also, many video rental shops reported in 1988 that 80% of revenue came from 20% of the videotapes that they had in the store. So it's, it's this weird rule that kind of come, pops up and is applicable. I wasn't even reading that in a, in a lot of situations. And I've certainly found as an author, especially when it comes to the marketing stuff, that it it absolutely has seemed to be that about 80% of my sales will come from 20% of my marketing efforts. So it's really uh, helpful if you can really pay attention to what converts the best when you, when you do marketing things, whether you're running advertising, whether you're working to build your newsletter. And, you know, the more you can use trackable links or if it's appropriate affiliate links so you can actually see what you do that results in the sales, the more dialed in with this stuff you can be. For example, I've found in the past, uh, you know, for a while it was kind of all the big things you participate in, like Facebook launch parties. And, and I found that that was like hours that you ended up sitting and answering questions on Facebook and, and dithering around and very few sales or, you know, so it's, that's one of those, you've also heard as a writer, the, the Wibbo, Wibble rule, would I be better off writing or would you be better off doing some other marketing that you know, because you've been tracking stuff that it actually works. And marketing aside, you may also find that something like 80% of your income comes from 20% of your titles. So uh, that's, you know, it's very common to see that new releases will bring in a lot of the income. I feel like I'm a little bit lucky in this in that I, I have a pretty solid backlist and quite a few people will find me through the new releases and then go check out the backlist. So in any given year or the couple I've actually measured recently, it ends up being about 50% of my releases in the last year or all of my releases in the last year account for about 50% of my income. And then the backlist accounts for about 50%. But I, I've certainly seen there'll be a couple of titles where those are really doing well, or one series is really doing well. And then the other ones are bringing in a small amount of income. Hopefully the other ones at some point were frontless and were also bringing in more income. But I, I think that that's not everybody's experience. I think that it's very common to have it. one series that really, for whatever reason, you nailed it and that hit the tropes or whatever, you know, it kind of just did well in the market. And then to have other series where you feel like you're pushing a boulder up a hill, even if it's in the same genre and even if you feel like they're similar for, you know, it just ends up being that a lot of the effort that you put into one ends up being kind of hopefully not wasted. Hopefully you still enjoyed writing the story. But if you want to do this for a living, I think it it's another thing where it's just track things. And if it fits your muse and you're able to, 
you know, I'm not saying you have to write to market, but in my case, if I have like two ideas I'm super excited about, now I've kind of trained myself like, okay, like I was, this year I was thinking, okay, next year I could do a space opera series. I have this idea for that, or I could do an epic fantasy series that I have an idea for. And I was like, well, in my past, in my history, it tells me that the epic fantasy is a better seller for me. I've just always made more on, on those series and those releases. So I'm going to do epic fantasy. So you know, just paying attention to what's working well and then kind of try to backwards engineer that. Like, what did I do right with that one? And if you haven't yet had a serious hit like that, maybe just kind of skim through the top 100 lists and, and whatever subgenre you're looking for and see what's doing well. It's like you not necessarily copy them, but maybe you'll realize, well, I don't have any of the elements that are in these books that are doing really well. So maybe that's why it's not catching on as much, but I, I like it personally best if you can kind of gather it from your own data, which is of course going to take num numerous books out there, probably numerous series before you get more of an idea for that. All right. So I will now pass it on for Joe and Andrea to fill in their thoughts on kind of the 80, 20 rule here. Um, yeah. So, uh, 80, 20 goes for just an awful lot of stuff. It goes for the effort you put into things for sure. Uh, in general, the things that turn into actual money for you are writing and promotion. So if you're not spending most of your time on writing and promotion, then chances are you're, you're putting a lot of, you're, you're in the 80, not the 20 for most of the time. And I guess that's just how numbers work, but this is a, you know, this is a situation where you should be analyzing the activities you're spending your time on. And if you are doing a lot of minor tasks that take a, a long time and those tasks can either be delegated or streamlined with better software, this is a situation where you might think about putting some money in and making an investment so that you can loosen up your, you know, divert some of, some of your, uh, your time over from the 80 to the 20. Because um, I'll give you an example. It used to be uh, formatting a book properly took me uh, more than a day. It used to be it would take me a, a full day to get the file ready and then another day to make the different versions of that file. And if that was still the case, uh, that's way too much time for me to be spending on that. I've since gotten much better where I can get a, a paperback formatted in like less than 45 minutes. Uh, and, you know, so, and even that is longer really than it should be because if I just invested in a computer that could run Vellum and also invested in Vellum, it'd be like three clicks. But I'm comfortable with the amount of time that I'm spending on it. Uh, or, and I'm talking about software, if you are in a position where you can hire a virtual assistant, these are excellent jobs for VAs. Uh, it's just small. They don't, you don't, you don't even have to hand over too much information for them to be able to do it for you. So book formatting and stuff like that is a great thing to hand over. You're making virtually no money off of book formatting. It's just a formality before making the, the, the actual book available. Uh, same goes for making graphics. I happen to enjoy tinkering away with graphics sometimes, but if you're doing a lot of ads or you're doing a lot of uh, uh, newsletters and, and Facebook and, and other uh, social media posts that require graphics and they take you a long time, consider you know sh farming that out. There's tons of freelancers who absolutely charge pennies on the dollar to make stuff way, way better than the average person can. So graphics are a great thing to look at taking off of your plate so you can divert more effort to money makers. Uh, this also applies to individual elements of the writing process. If you find that 80% of a given writing session is spent backtracking or researching, consider doing more prep work, uh, do a better outline. We're going to talk a little bit of this later. Uh, or, or develop a method to notate things that need to be addressed 
so that you can pick up the, the, that stuff later and do your research afterward or before so you can stay in writing. And those are some ways that you can hopefully, you know, make the 80-20 rule more of a 70-30 rule. So, um, like what Joe was saying, graphics, like I love, I love cover design. I, I used to do all my own covers and absolutely loved it. It wasn't until last year that I was like, you know what? My job is to be a writer, not to be a graphic designer. And so I've actually started handing that off to people. And for those who are listening, pre-made book covers, holy crap. I bought one this past week for 148 bucks that when I first started writing would have probably been $700. It's, it's phenomenal. Really, really awesome. So I mean, there's so many opportunities now for those of us who enjoy doing things, but can't and don't have the time anymore. Um, so, um, in the past people would advise us to hand off like the 80%, like Joe was talking about getting assistant. He's not telling you to hand off the 80% that never gets results to an assistant. He's telling you to hand off the, like the stuff that actually gets results to an assistant. So your team should be all focused on that 20% that gets results, like the proven things proven by you, things that move the needle. So if you have an assistant, don't hand them the Facebook events, you know, don't have them do your, you know, the, the things that only get you to downloads. Um, yeah. And, um, yeah. And then another thing is, and sorry, I'm still not feeling good. So my brain is not totally, totally there. Um, learn to say no, um, anything that doesn't bring you joy and doesn't increase your productivity or move you towards your goal. So like, for example, I have goals in writing, but I also have goals to keep my kids alive till they reach adulthood. After that, it's on them. But anything that doesn't move you towards your goals, you should let go of, um, say no to don't take on. Um, and that's going to help you with, um, maintaining that, that, uh, 20% productivity, because if you're taking on a whole bunch of side things that might be fun, but don't really add value, then yeah, there you go. Right. That's a good one. I've kind of ended up on a lot of, uh, not a lot, but some conferences, giving talks and, and being on panels and, I don't sell any nonfiction, so there's no, really no reason for my author career for me to do these things. I just say yes because I'm like, oh, well, we're kind of friends. We've met at other conferences, you know, and so I finally this year, COVID's kind of helped because I realized how much I resented having to do these, put together, you know, because I'm, I'm not a perfectionist, but I want to not fall on my face also. So, you know, put together a thoughtful presentation and then deliver like it was kind of okay when I was getting to see friends at conferences and stuff but I was like I really resented it when I'm just stuck at home and I still have to do this because now the conference has gone online so I'm just now I'm like nope sorry I'm not doing anymore I mean I don't know that I'll never do them again but for the next year or so I just I just saying no to that stuff and it's hard you don't want to disappoint people uh, you know, and you want to like be useful and helpful to the author community and give back if you can. But if it's something that ends up taking a lot of, not just time to do, but then headspace, like you're for two weeks ahead of it, you're like, I got to do that thing. I got to put together that presentation. And, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense for the people who have books to sell related to the things they talk about at conferences or have courses or services. But if you're purely a fiction author, you know, it's not like maybe, you know, maybe a few people will go check out your 399 eBooks, but it's not really the same as having, as that being part of your uh, funnel to get people to buy your stuff. So learning to say no is hard but i agree that it's a good thing and i'm a little bit distracted too i'm not sick but i have a dog that had surgery just a few days ago knee surgery 
So she's behind me laying in a dog bed with a big funnel on her head. And I've locked the other dogs out of the room. So there won't be any drama because I have three dogs. And sometimes there's like, even though there's like eight dog beds around the house, they all want to be in the same dog bed at the same time. So anyway, I've got clacking toenails outside the office door. So this is a great episode, guys. <laughs> Hopefully you will still get something out of it. Um, so let's move on to our next productivity tip which is to define goals and track your progress. We've all heard the saying that what gets measured gets done, and the regular measurement and reporting can keep you focused, and you can also use that information to make decisions and improve your results. As an example, we've talked about this before, Rachel Aaron's book, 2K to 10K, mentioned this. And she's kind of got three big points. You definitely check out that book if you haven't yet. But it, one of the things she recommends is sort of trying out writing at different times in the day insofar as you can around your work schedule and family. Because you may find out, you know, like you think you're not a morning person, which is me completely. I don't feel like I'm at all perky and with it in the morning. But I have kind of measured, like, how many words per hour do I write at these different times of day, like, you know, morning, afternoon, late at night. And I just find that if I can get a couple thousand words done in the morning before I start doing much of anything else, before I take the dogs out for a walk or whatever, that I'm like, wow, I can actually get them done really quickly, even though I'm not a morning person. <laughs> I'm, like, chugging my latte at the same time there. So it may be worth for you just kind of doing that for a couple of weeks, measuring your output. And, you know, I always, uh, like, I'm a person that loves word count. Not everybody does. But so I always figure out, it, like I have Scrivener, I've always put in a manuscript goal and session targets in Scrivener. I know there are people who don't like to worry about word counts because they feel it's stressful or they just feel they're writing junk words or something and they just want to write for X amount of time. And maybe that works for them, but I think they may be the exception rather than the rule. I know I get super focused when I want to have X words done and hit my daily goal and time is running out. I'm actually more productive when like I have an appointment or something or I agree to meet friends for dinner. I'm like, oh shoot, I actually have to finish my words by X time in the day. And you know, that's just, you'll have to find out what works for you. But I think that the biggest eye-opening thing for me was finding out which times a day I'm actually more productive because it wasn't what I thought it would be. Mornings, like I said, they're awful, but apparently I'm really can just get the words out in the morning. So um, do you guys have any thoughts on, on defining goals and tracking progress? Yes, indeed. Um, I found that one of the things that really motivates me uh, is the concept of streaks. Uh, a while back, I started using a thing called Habitica, which we can talk about later. But it is it, it lets you pick daily tasks and habits and keeps track of how many times in a row you've hit your goal. So if my goal is to write 3,000 words, and I've done so for the last 15 work days, uh, and today I've got 500 words left and I'm just not feeling it, the thought, like, I know that I hit it the last 15 times. I want to make it 16. So, like, keeping track and, and sort of holding myself accountable for the purposes of streaks uh, have been really motivational. Uh, also things start to feel helpless sometimes. Sometimes we're just not, you know, sometimes we're just not going to be very productive. Life gets in the way. And if, and if things start to feel like I'm just being pathologically f a failure at, at hitting my accounts, I find it's often useful to break larger tasks down to an equivalent pile of smaller tasks. So uh, again, if I'm shooting for 3000 words a day, maybe I'll make it, I'm shooting for a thousand words a day 
three times. And it's exactly the same number of words, but you have these little landmarks where you can knock it off and you feel instead of like having this gigantic insurmountable heap in front of you you've got three nice little steps and you can like you get that little you know dopamine rush when you get to cr cross one off and it, and it moves you on to the next one so keeping track in the way that you've you know uh, it is occasionally useful to decrease your goals but the last that's the last that's the last uh, resort for me i usually try to improve uh uh just the feeling of accomplishment by making the goals smaller and, and more granular. Uh, and yeah, like we talk about a lot, just having to-do lists, uh, just, just knowing how much you got done in a given day. Because if you aren't codifying what you're actually doing in a given day, you might miss a lot of the productivity you've actually been having because you just sort of weren't keeping track. Like, when you have a to-do list, you see, well, you know, I got all these chores done. I got these words done. I got that formatting done. I talked to these three people. Like, you could have a full day, but if you're only counting the words uh, or you're only counting whatever, the release of the book, it can feel like you're falling behind. So it's not, keeping track isn't just about becoming more productive, but about realizing how productive you currently are. And um, if you're feeling down about your progress, um, sometimes using motivational quotes or affirmations can help you get back in the groove. And I remember when I first heard about affirmations, I was like, what the voodooism? <laughs> like, what are we even talking about here? But um, they, it really helped me. So some of the most productive times have been when I've flipped through a stack of index cards, which I don't have right next to me. I have these, but... Anyway, um, and they'll have like motivational quotes on them or affirmations written on them. And I'll go through them um, once a day or anytime I'm discouraged or whatever. And that's been really helpful. And by affirmations, I mean things that, you know, I'm trying to think of something, you know, like, like I can write or meet my daily goal. I can keep the kids alive. I can be successful even with three kids that I homeschool, things like that. Just kind of the sorts of things that you you want to be true that you know are true, but some days you just don't feel it. Um, and another thing you can do to get back on track is to read from a previous book you've written. So like, you know, read a favorite scene, something that has motivated you or that you were, you know, you did well and that um, gets you excited about being a writer again. Um, and that helps get the juices flowing. Um, and that's all for me for now. I should add too to what Joe said that that's exactly what I do with like even if it's a day where all I have to do is write and my goal is to get 10,000 words which I have not done for quite a while <laughs> I was really rocking it at the beginning of the summer but yeah we'll be uh falling off there but I still it's like 2,000 and then I take a break and do stuff then I come back and try to do another 2,000 and take a break and usually as the day gets longer I, I can do less, like then it goes down to 1500 <laughs> and then a thousand, a thousand or whatever. Um, so that, that can help, you know, and I don't know if you need to reward yourself. Some people like to reward yourself, but I do find it, you know, just taking that break, going and doing the dishes or whatever, uh, not exactly re rewarding. Although if you're procrastinating from your writing, somehow even the dishes can be appealing. Uh, anything that's better than the thing you're struggling with at the time. But uh, I usually find that that's healthy also, of course, to take breaks. So, okay, next motivation, or not motivational tip. Andrea got me thinking of motivational <laughs> cards and tips. Next productivity tip. And I think this will help if you're, if you're somebody that doesn't like word count goals because you feel like you're reading junk or you're writing junk uh, and just filling the words, you know, they're fluff and they're not really what you want to be writing. I think this will be helpful. And this is 
outline is going to be my first tip or, you know, and if you're a diehard, diehard, not an outliner, at least scribble down notes about tomorrow's writing ahead of time. And this, the whole idea here is basically so that when you do sit down to write, you're trying to get your 3000 words or whatever, you already know exactly what's going to happen in the scenes because you figured it out the night before while you were walking the dog or you were in the shower driving. I don't know. Those are obvious good times for me for <laughs> thinking of things. And then you just, you know, I like if I'm going to try to do 10,000 words, I got to do that the night before. It's usually about three scenes for me. I'm not the, don't write the shortest scenes. So I just got to kind of figure it out what happens in each scene. I put little notes in my phone app and then when I sit down to write, it just flows out. And, you know, I've really been, this last book I've been working on in September, which we've already talked about how for all of us, September is just not a great month for um, writing. But uh, I didn't really have a good outline. Like I outlined, but I veered off of it right away and I didn't go back and sort of redo it. And it was really, it's, you know, a short novel. It's going to be one of my urban fantasies. It's only about 80, 90,000 words. And I compare that to the, sci-fi I was working on earlier in the summer that ended up at like 154,000 words with all these point of views. But because I, I knew that had to be uh, outlined pretty well to keep everything straight, I had like seven, like I said, seven point of view characters that had to all wrap everything up and the stories had to be intertwined. I knew I can screw around and not have a good outline. And sometimes uh, I'm making it harder on myself by not having a great one for this one and having other things going on. But so take home for me is just figure out ahead of the time what you're going to write if you just sit down and you don't know yeah that's when you're going to write junk and you're going to end up deleting those scenes because later you're like oh yeah the plot actually needs to do this other thing and so then you just wasted your time so even if you're not an outliner i highly recommend take a few notes about the, the couple of scenes you have coming up and i think you'll find it a lot easier when you sit down to write passing it off to you guys um, I definitely am a strong proponent. I mean, obviously outlining, but just the, taking the little notes and it works, uh, in even smaller chunks too. Like I like to surround those, like my technique for note taking is I take three asterisks, uh, and I, I sort of bracket, uh, a note with those so that I can find them. Cause I never use three asterisks for anything but notes so I can find them super easy. And, uh, when, if I'm interrupted, I will jot down a quick note about what I had in mind for the next couple sentences. And it seems like an absurd thing to do, except there's a, my, you know, my nephew lives in the house with me and I am interrupted rather frequently. Plus my chosen method for a lot of the time is the Pomodoro technique. So you're going to end up, uh, you know, your time runs out. It's time to go take a break. Uh, usually I break the rules and finish a thought, but if I decide I'm going to be a stickler, uh, I, I leave a note. So if you've got a couple of dozen uh, interruptions a day and every time you're interrupted, you have to go back and read the last two paragraphs to see what you're up to so that you can continue. That's a lot of time in a given day and therefore a tremendous amount of time over the course of a novel. So it's the sort of thing that you, uh, that, that you really need to start, you know, I really need to start keeping notes of just what my next few thoughts are. Similarly for the end of the day. Uh, like I don't, take, I don't have extremely detailed outlines all the time. So occasionally my, you know, I'll have one paragraph that describes 30,000 words of a, of a novel. So I can't just, you know, wake up the next day and say, okay, what's the next scene I'm writing in this? If it's, if it's not detailed enough. So before I go to bed, I'll make a note of where I was headed so that the next day I can start off quickly without having to find my context. 
And this is a very important thing, by the way. I found before I started taking these notes, uh, if I was trying to save time and just not go back and reestablish my context, more often than not, I would either reuse lines or redo entire scenes because I forgot that I had done them already. And uh, it's one thing to write a scene that you decide afterward isn't necessary for the novel. It's another thing to write a scene that you believe to be necessary, but you had already written because you can absolutely never use the same scene twice. <laughs> it's not even like I can pull that off and put it in a file somewhere and use it later. It was just, you know, duplication of work. So uh, you don't want to duplicate work. It is the opposite of productivity. So anything, if you find yourself repeating yourself or, or, or reestablishing context way too often, just tiny little notes, either in the note itself or on a pad next to you. I, I loaned somebody my pad or I'd hold it up and you'd see where it has a note on the last short story I was writing. Uh, but yeah, uh, super duper useful to keep notes. So what you could do is download Joe's books, rewrite them, and then publish them on the sly. Right, Joe? Sure. I mean, it worked for one guy. <laughs> Didn't work that well. He only had like, what, seven reviews? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm going to jump on the bandwagon of saying, knowing the night before what you're going to be doing the next day is huge. Um, and also the day of, um, and this is just kind of random, but this really helps me. Like I get up and on my days when I'm most productive, i I make my bed, I change my, my clothes. Like I don't stay in my pajamas all day, which I don't do a lot, but I change first thing in the morning instead of waiting until, you know, my toddler goes down for a nap. Um, I'll shower, um, just make myself look like I'm going somewhere because doing that, the way you dress, it affects you emotionally, mentally, and affects how your brain functions. Some days it's not possible, honestly, like especially this week. This week's been really rough for me. But um, being ready for the day physically does help you be ready emotionally and mentally. Um, and then again, like Joe was mentioning earlier, to-do lists. Um, what I do with mine is I give them three categories, uh, like really important. Um, middle, need to be done, but not really, really soon. And then not important at all, but still need to be done. And then, you know, just keeping track of things that way. And then, and that endorphin rush, when you mark something off, it's, it's really helpful. You guys get a lot more out of marking things off on your to-do list than I do. <laughs> I'm not I'm like missing that endorphin thing. I don't know. <laughs> all right. Um, so another productivity tip is just to use deadlines and we've talked about this before, but having a deadline, ideally with someone waiting for something from you, can help us procrastinators out there finish. I, I schedule dates with my editor. Uh, this actually came about just because she got busy, and I was like, well, can you just mark me out a spot every month, and I'll try to have something for you? And that ended up with me always having a deadline. Like, I know all year when I have to get stuff in, basically, at the beginning of the year, and the pressure of not wanting to disappoint somebody else you know i would hate to say sorry i just don't have anything like she's a full-time editor and i know she depends on her clients for that's how she makes a living so i don't want to just shaft her at the last minute like i don't think i'm gonna get that to you i mean every now and then you know like once a year maybe something's gonna come come up and you're not gonna make it but i think it, it, it you know the pressure of knowing you want to be a good client for other people just like you hope that they will be good at getting you know your cover art or your edits and stuff back to you in a timely manner i find that that's really helpful in meeting deadlines or in accomplishing finishing manuscripts and getting books out there if you're not at that schedule yet or you're not at that point yet with your writing that you're scheduling editors another thing you can do kind of along the same line 
is, is to have an accountability partner. It can just be another writer. You don't have to be in the same country or the same state, but somebody you check in with regularly and just say like, Hey, these are what, this is what I'm trying to accomplish. And they'll, they'll do the same thing for you. And there's, it's just a lot harder to blow things off. Once you've told other people that you're going to do them, that's sort of like whenever you're trying to lose weight, they recommend, you know, join a group with other people that are trying to do the same thing. Cause it's just, you don't want to disappoint other people. It's like this social thing. We're social creatures and it's, you know, kind of embedded in, in us to uh, not want to do things that are going to get us ostracized from the, uh, what are we, are we a herd? Are we a pack? What are, what are simians? <laughs> Whatever we are, probably we'll just say the pack. Somebody in, in Facebook can give me the proper award later. But so there's, it's, you know, I, I used to be somebody that was very poo-poo and, you know, accountability partner. That sounds so cheesy, but <laughs> it's like, it works. I know that I first started finishing novels and I've talked about before how the first one took seven years before I actually finished it. And I was horrible about starting things like getting really excited, doing the first 30,000 words and then getting kind of stuck. And it just was easier at that point to stop and start something else. So like many writers, I, st I mean, I think I still have a lot of those stories are probably in Lotus or some operating you know, system I don't have anymore so I can open them. But I had a lot of half finished, you know, manuscripts because I didn't finish them. But once I joined a writing workshop, uh, it was a sci-fi and fantasy online writing workshop. They still exist. If, <laughs> exist if you want to check them out. I think it's like $75 a year or something. But I started posting chapters because that's how you do it. Like first you critique somebody else's stuff and then you can post a chapter or a short story. And just the process of putting chapters up regularly and then, you know, kind of getting to become friends with people who would critique them and you would critique theirs and you would see that they put up new chapters and they're making progress and they would kind of nudge you like, hey, um, are you going to get chapter up i want to know what happens next in the story that that was very helpful for me in finally finishing a couple of novels so whatever you can do accountability partner date with your editor you know date with somebody you know i think that just that little bit you know you don't want somebody that's gonna like guilt you if you don't want get it done but just a little bit of uh social pressure i think can really help those of us because i am totally a procrastinator guys i don't want you to think that i am not all through school i was the person that did the assignments the night we knew two weeks ago that what the assignment was and I was the night before up until whatever one in the morning uh you know back when I was supposed to be in bed at 10 or whatever finishing stuff so I am that person um okay you guys want to chime in on that sure uh I ended up this I have not traditionally had very hard deadlines in my in my uh process but this year I had a bunch of them uh, and they came in two different forms. At the beginning of the year, I announced what my three book releases were going to be. I said it was going to be the year of six. I was going to put out the book six in my three main series. So right at the beginning of the year, I committed myself to getting three books out uh, in a year. Like So that's the accountability thing. Now all of my fans know that I had said it was going to happen. And even though they're not going to you know, rake me over the coals for failing, uh, it is still, you know, it's out there. And, and, and I have to sort of, I have to rise to that level. Uh, also, when I announced that, my editor said to me, hey, I'm getting pretty busy. If you actually want to get all three of these books edited by me this year, then you're going to have to get three slots. So I knew at the beginning of the year what all three slots, uh, my editing slots were going to be. So I had to meet those goals. And uh, this is extremely motivating, not only in that I redouble my efforts to make sure I don't disappoint someone else way more likely than uh, when I'm trying to actually just satisfy myself. Uh, it made my year a lot more predictable and better paced. And also, 
when you start button up against a deadline, it really starts to highlight the parts of your process that take too long. And uh, like, there's nothing like a like a blind panic to make you realize that you've been wasting time on this or that. And make a note of that and don't do that next time. And it sort of like when you start to see the, it reveals bottlenecks and stuff and helps you improve your process. So I mean, don't set a deadline that's that's like unachievable. Don't don't try to trick yourself into getting a book done in half the time by setting a deadline that's way too soon. But if you find that you're having a hard time with deadlines, it's a really good way to analyze your process and see where you can improve it. I love that. I'm like, I've been screwing off way more than I thought I was. Um, so, and this is my, my point I wanted to add here was that it's important for us to recognize that giving our all, I mean, it's going to be different every single day. So like right now, my all is probably 20% of when I'm feeling well, my alls when I'm my, my grammar. <laughs> I, I think you guys understand though, we're human. We can't possibly put in a hundred percent every single day. And some days a hundred percent is going to be another day's 50% or another day's 20% or, um, but I mean, every day is going to be different. You just got to give yourself grace and not, um, beat yourself up too much if you are, you know, not feeling well, or if you are struggling from lack of sleep, things like that. Just recognize that, I mean, we're not trying to say if you're not productive, then you suck. I mean, every day is going to be different. All right. And we're just going to finish up with some bonus tips that we each have and not necessarily have a big conversation around them all. But my one is uh, not necessarily writing specific, but if you can try to find someone else to gather and sort information like news and things out there, uh, like the publishing industry, what's going on in the publishing industry, you know, whatever else you follow, uh, real estate, stock information, all these things are things that you can spend hours a day watching the news. And like, not only do you get overwhelmed and like, I don't know, just start like, obsessing about stuff, but it's a huge waste of time. Like you may legitimately be trying to gather information because you have to make decisions related to this, like publishing, you know, should I go wide? Should I go uh, exclusive to Amazon? What's working best for people right now? You can sit there and spend hours, you know, scrolling through Facebook posts and, and groups and trying to figure out like who's doing what and what's working and then all the marketing. But uh, you know, just find a couple people that are doing what you want to do, that they're kind of collating the news. Like, um, you know, I've mentioned before, I listen to Joanna Penn's podcast most weeks because she does new stuff at the beginning. And also um, Jane Friedman has a, a publishing newsletter called The Hot Sheet. It's, you have to pay for it, but it's not a lot. It's like $50 a year or something. So you can just get those things and then you don't have to spend hours in Facebook groups trying to figure out stuff and, and, you know, find whatever the areas in your life that you're trying to make decisions, like big, important decisions, you know, investments, financial stuff, whatever, just kind of find those people that live and breathe that industry already. Just follow them. Like I've mentioned before, I'm not a huge stock market person, but I've got one lady, uh, Kathy Wood. She's awesome. She runs like a growth ETF and she emails every day. These are the, the stocks we sold, you know, bought and sold today for our fund. And, um, she, like, um, once a month they do an update on the economy and stuff. So I just pay attention to what she's talking about. And I get the gist, uh, you know, somebody that's got 40 years of experience and lives and breathes that stuff. So I don't have to pay attention to it all the time. So hopefully uh, find those people. Hopefully we are help somewhat helpful <laughs> this last couple months. I haven't been uh, paying much attention to Facebook groups and what's going on in the publishing world, but well, hopefully things will settle back down this fall. And um, yeah, I'll pass it over to you guys for some more bonus tips. 
Um, I mentioned it earlier. I'm going to mention it in more detail now. Uh, software can really help with productivity. Uh, if you're not using software to track really everything uh, you should be because uh, software is a lot better for keeping track of things than a growing pile of uh, notes, which is what I used to do. So uh, I mentioned Habitica. Habitica is a free website. You can pay for it, but uh, currently I'm still using the free version and it does everything that I need. Ostensibly, it is for gamifying productivity. But if I'm honest, I have primarily been using it for the utility. Uh, it lets you set up daily tasks, uh, what they call good habits, and also just to-do list items. And good habits are things you can do multiple times a day or zero times a day. Daily tasks are things that you absolutely have to get done every day or every week or every month. You can configure that. with like, And then they automatically re-add themselves to the list the following day or week or month. Uh, and then uh, the to-do list items are one-time things that you only have to do then. And uh, it really helps you. Like, this is the thing that was keeping track of streaks, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, and it tells, you know, it for a while saves the list of things that you got done if you need to look and see how well you've actually been doing. It syncs with your phone and then all sorts of good stuff like that. And yes, technically, when you check off items, it makes a little ding noise and gives you gold and gives you dragon eggs and hatching potions. And then you can feed your cotton candy dragon uh, fish until it is large enough to put a saddle on. And that's great. <laughs> but honestly, just having the list that, that relist, re refreshes itself is already been making a, a big impact. So I recommend Habitica. I think it's really uh, very useful. And I wasn't aware that Habitica was also a website. So I've been using it. Joe recommended it. I don't know. It's been like a month and a half. And I really like the phone app, but I'm going to have to check out the website too then. Uh, and like Joe, I don't use the, the gamification side of it. You know, I probably got a whole bunch of little eggs that'll grow into all sorts of little creatures, but it is super well organized. It just, it makes it really, really great to keep up with things. So my tips here, um, and I've got a bunch, I'm just going to kind of go through them quickly. Um, keep note, taking things on hand. I think we might've mentioned that already, or maybe I'm just remembering me writing that down. I don't know. Um, recognize that, recognize that motivation is personal. So what works for you won't necessarily work for others and vice versa. Don't beat yourself up. If, you know, going for a walk doesn't help you be productive. Um, reward yourself during the work. So if, you know, like a latte or a smoothie or eating ice cream or chewing on a piece of gum or going on a road trip, a lot of rewards won't work for this, but still don't put rewards so far off that they'll never come. Um, so just consider doing things while you're working that you enjoy doing. Um, a lot of the time that does equate with food. I don't recommend eating too much food while you're writing because if you're writing as much as you want to be, that's going to be a lot of, well, I've, I've experienced the pound gainage. So, <laughs> um, exercise, uh, movement equals productivity. Even if it's just a short walk, getting your blood moving will help get the words flowing. And, um, especially, I mean, even if it's just a hard five to 10 minute workout or something like that sort of stuff really, really wakes up the brain. And I, and Lindsay's got some lag, but I know Lindsay works out quite regularly and she's probably the most productive of the three of us. <laughs> she's showing us her muscles. <laughs> so, um, don't, don't, um, don't diss the physical aspect of, um, 
of writing. Your brain needs that motivation, that, that movement to keep working. Um, and then, so along that line, use a treadmill desk. There's some really awesome ones available. Um, you can, you can make a treadmill desk off of a used treadmill that you get off of a class, like the classifieds or Craigslist or something. Um, drink lots of water before writing. It helps your brain focus. Again, your brain is surrounded by fluid. And if you are dehydrated, it makes it harder for your, for your brain to actually function. And it can lead to headaches and, and like that brain fog and tiredness. Um, chew gums, chew gums, <laughs> chew your gums, <laughs> chew gum. And uh, my favorite's like Trident. I've got actually right here, this bag of Trident gum, and I just will grab a different flavor anytime I need something. And I also keep like mints on hand. Um, switch things up. So try working at different times of the day. Like Lindsay said, you don't know at noon if you'd be a better writer at three, if you've never written at three. Um, work in a different location, rearrange things in your office, change the music you listen to, get a different flavor of gum. Um, and then this one's really big, especially with kids. Um, before I start writing, I make sure I've taken care of everything that might come up when I start writing. Like I use the bathroom, I get a drink of water, I eat, I blow my nose, I feed the kids, whatever I need to do so that I don't have any distractions once I start writing. Um, and then this is also something that works really well for people who are, who have a lot on their plate, um, like kids and other people's schedules that you're trying to keep up with. Um, I go by weeks, not days. And, um, I'll like set up my goals for that week, like things I want to accomplish during the week so that on individual days, if everything falls apart, it doesn't matter. Um, and then I keep them on not anymore because my office is taken apart, but I have them usually on that wall right there. And, um, it's big and it's, and it's bold letters and bold colors. And it helps me recognize how I'm doing on my goals. The end. Awesome. And it's great that you mentioned exercise um, because I actually, like many people probably since COVID times have started, just basically said goodbye to the gym membership. Like that's kind of the last place you want to be with all the heavy breathing and stuff in the machines right next to each other. So I've been kind of gradually building up my home gym, which is mostly just some barbells. I finally got a treadmill and an elliptical and I was like, they're like my toys. I was super stoked to <laughs> actually use that stuff. So, um, but I, the point was that um, not only does it kind of get you moving, but speaking of endorphin hits, which I do not get from checking things off on a to-do list. If I go up and, you know, jog for 20 minutes or run, do the elliptical for 20 minutes, enough to kind of break a sweat and get a little heavy breathing going on, which who doesn't enjoy heavy breathing? Um, that's an endorphin thing. Like it really does boost my mood. Like a lot of times when I'm just uh, – completely not into things like i'm just like oh man i don't feel like writing i don't feel like doing anything i'm not really feeling that great if i can make myself go do some exercise almost always that's that's a real mood booster and it's a little easier so you may consider doing that uh breaking up <laughs> breaking up your day with something like that all right do you guys have anything i got my dog in the cone wandering around since it's the end of the show i'll show her off there she is looking pitiful with her leg you can't see it it's her back knee it's all shaved and stitched up. She has like, it's sort of the equivalent of a human ACL. And we, we tried like platelet, platelet rich injections. Now she's right here. <laughs> There's a mouth and uh, they didn't work that well. So she's had knee surgery now and gosh, got about 12 weeks of uh, not doing too much and doing some doggy therapy with her. And it's, she's only two. So she has insane energy. Like right now she's sedated. Like I have said it for the first two weeks, but it only kind of takes the edge off. She's a crazy girl. So thank you very much for listening, everyone. Do you guys have any final stuff to add before we wrap up? 
No, I think uh, I I hit all my points. All right. Well, hopefully something was helpful, you guys. Thanks for the patience with the internet lag. I will hopefully get something figured out in a couple of weeks. It is the the curse and the joy of being rural now, which is, you know, no more broadband. (laughs) But uh, anyway, thank you for listening, everyone. And thank you to Joshua Pearson for producing the show. You can find the show notes or leave a comment or question at sixfigureauthors.com with the number six. And I've been a little sparse on the Facebook group, but hopefully in October things are going to be settling back down. So we're also at Six Figure Authors Facebook group. Uh, you can ask questions there too. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye bye. See you later. So long, everybody. <laughs>